0: Prominent from the last from the last season that just happened Christmas season, right uh, when you would order Amazon or ups uh, or FedEx packages or even uh, your your own personal mail, they would come in and uh, just steal your packages so I don't want to be crass or just irreverent of what we're supposed to be talking today but because of the problem of porch pirates and people stealing packages and mail some people have resorted to putting some trap in the packages so whenever the porch pirates would come and steal their packages and open it up expecting something good in there There's something unfavorable in there. And there's a reason why I said that. And like I said, I don't want to be irreverent of our service or crass or just filthy in our mouth, right? But there's a reason why I said that. Uh, Before we go there, though, let's go to our review from last week, shall we? Review from last week. We talked about the importance of talking about or, or learning doctrine. Number one. Devils are not in the business of haunting people. The unsaved world wants you to think about that, or to 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 sort of accept that fact. But in reality, they are in the business of watered down or perverted what? Doctrine. Doctrine. Exactly. Yes, sir. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> and... Uh, The Bible says Satan transformed himself into an angel of light. So uh, he knows what to do. By the way, when the Lord Jesus Christ said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, in Matthew chapter number four, verse number four, guess who who he was quoting that to? He was quoting that to the devil who was tempting him out in the desert. Right, so the devil knows the importance of doctrine and God's words, so he transformed himself into a preacher wearing gray pants and black a black suit. Wait a second, that's what I'm wearing. <laughs> no he, he transformed himself into somebody that people can't trust and somebody that people listen to um. Well, I'm just, I'm saying he's using people like that is what I'm trying to say, uh, meaning he's in the business of watered down and perverted doctrine. So be careful. And number two, some people may not be interested in doctrine. Typographical error there because they may not be blank in the first place. They may not be saved in the in the first place. So and and we came up with. Uh, that line last week, only people that are alive get hungry. So if you are dead spiritually, you're not going to be hungry for your spiritual food, right? And number C, or number C, number three, (laughs) I'm there, sorry. (laughs) Number three, some people depart from the right doctrine because they have their own unbiblical set of beliefs, then they come to the Bible for blank. Verification or validation or verification, all correct. Thank you very much, yes. So sometimes, and I'm guilty of this. I was guilty of this myself. I had this set of doctrines that I believed and then I would go to the Bible and then I would say, Lord, where are the verses that prove that my beliefs are true? That's not how we're supposed to approach the Bible, are we? We're supposed to approach the Bible with a clean slate and a learning heart and say, Lord, what do you want me to know? Or what do you want me to learn? Teach me, O Lord. That's how we're supposed to do, or how we're supposed to be. Uh, Number four. Some people depart from the right doctrine because they love this present evil, what? This present evil world. So... There's this song, and I'm sure a lot of you know about this, if not everyone. This world is not my home. I am just a passing through. My treasures are laid up where? Somewhere beyond the blue. Amen. So that's why the Bible says, set your affections on things above, not things on this world. So when Christians who are not... I'm talking about saved people now, okay? They're saved. Whatever whatever we do... Well, nothing is going to take away our salvation. But, so I'm talking about the, you know, our people. And then they sort of start to decide, wait a second. Uh, I know heaven is important. I know my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. But you know what? These things over here are more important to me in this world. So... They love this present evil world. And if you're not careful, that's what's going to take you away from your Bible and from learning what God wants you to know. And last but not the least, we are commanded to blank all things and to blank fast to that which is good. This is a little bit tricky. Starts with a P. Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. So when you're listening to a preacher, whether it's me, please apply this to myself as well, because I am not perfect. Only this book here is. Amen. So uh, when you are listening to preaching, whether from myself or from Brother Bill, I'm sure Brother Bill acknowledges this too. I've heard you say that before. Praise God. Uh, Or somebody from Internet land or the radio, Make sure the Bible says we are commanded to prove all things, whatever you are hearing. Whether that means, you know, that can mean write down the verse texts that he is right. That's why we, I make sure that I project it all here. So you see that it's not just the gospel of St. Francis that is being preached up here, right? Prove all things. It did not say, the verse did not say hold fast to all things that the preacher is saying now, is it? It only says prove all things and then only hold fast to that which is good. So when you prove, I guess that's, a, uh, that's an old farmer saying, you know, uh, leave the sticks and... I always get that confused. Leave the sticks and eat the hay. Does that make sense? Did I get that right? Yeah. All right. So, prove all things, discard that which is not right, and then hold fast to that which is good. So, I hope that is our, uh, our, our attitude whenever we're listening to the, to the preachers. Amen. I would like to, before we read our text here, I would like to make a brief note on another importance of doctrine We kind of just flew through this last weekend because, or last week because we didn't have time. Um, So, when it comes to doctrine, some people think that doctrines make the church dry and kind of (laughs) hoity-toity. Have you have you heard people say that before? Uh, And some people might say, you know, you people think that you know everything and you're better than us and that you're holier than now. Have you heard people say that before? That term especially, holier than now, that's, I've always heard that. And granted, if we are not careful, the Bible does say that, a little, uh, that knowledge puff it up, right? So that makes me think of somebody who's just, ha- who has a big head full of hot air if you will. So yeah, that, is, that can be a legitimate concern if we, are not con- if we are not careful. And I would like to admit, to confess, that that's happened to me before. Rather than winning the brother, I was more quick to debate. Rather than winning that, the person to Christ, I would rather just argue with him and debate. And that's why we're always talked about as, you guys are so hoity-toity, you guys are so dry, so dogmatic, and stuff like that. So, yes, that can be a valid concern, so we have to be careful. We have to have, along with the right doctrine, the right motivation, and the right application. Yes? So with the correct motivation and the correct application, correct doctrine actually teaches us how we function in our roles. Remember last week, we talked about how many pulpits simply go to one portion of the Bible and then preach stories and fables out of that, then talk about the moral of the story. Remember that? Um, Well, in effect, we have a lot of moral but unbiblical Christians because of that who can't contend for the faith, much less answer simple questions. Correct doctrine with the correct motivation, we don't want to simply learn the doctrine to debate, we want to learn the doctrine so we can grow, right? Correct doctrine with the correct motivation with the correct application teaches us to function in our own roles, Look at the verse. We read this before, but I didn't, we kind of just flew through this last Sunday. But let me read it carefully here. This is in Titus chapter number 2, verse 1 to 3. Uh, well, it's going to be all the way to 6. But it says, But speak thou the things which become what? Sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, In patience, so that's all the aged men. That's what the if you're if you fall into that category and you you're wondering what to do, this is what the Bible says: be sober, be grave, be temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. And then, if you're one of the ladies in in the next category, the aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. So that we're ta- we talked about so far, the aged men and the aged women. What's next? Titus chapter number two, verse three to four. Next verse. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their, I like, I like this, uh, the wording of the Bible, because, man, uh, and I know it's kind of dangerous ground to preach about these things right now, these days, but let me just tell you this. See that, see that small word, own, obedient to their own husbands? That means you're not supposed to be obedient to the husband of somebody else, <laughs> Right, just that little word. Okay. Now I know. I know the elephant in the living room is really, brother Francis. We're in 2021. Wives still need to obey their husbands. Listen, this is if the Bible was true before, it's still it's still true right now, right? And really, the uh, what we're trying to say right now is, I guess, I guess the. Uh, The point of what we're trying to say is this. If, say for example, husband and wife, either or, all right? Whether you are I'm talking to you if you're a husband or if you're a wife. If you deal with your boss and your boss goes, can you make me a cup of coffee, please? Whether you're a husband or you're a wife. Or can you give me these documents or can you print these out for me, please? And then you go, yes, sir, very well, sir, right away, sir. But then when you go back home, whether you're a husband or a wife, and somebody says, well, uh, can you make dinner, please? Or can you fix the plumbing, please? And then you go, I'm so tired. Can you see the difference? Meaning there's more respect for your own boss then, for your own family. In practice is what I'm trying to say. So we need to be careful about that attitude, is what I'm trying to say. OK? Uh, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blaspheme. Okay? We live in a world we're, sorry, we live in a time and a place in this world. Where people just throw around the saying, yes, family is number one. But do you really believe that? I was even guilty of saying something like, yeah, even if we're not blood, we're we're just friends. We're not blood related because of the way we treat each other. We're family. Have you heard that saying before? I've used that saying before. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Family comes first. When the Bible says family, it means family. And it's not saying be mean to your friends or anything like that. It's saying you have, if your family is first, treat your family first. All right. Uh, Why? Because if you do that, if you don't do that, I mean, the word of God is blasphemed. Young men. So we have aged men. Aged women, we have uh, young women, and then young men. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. By the way, all of for all of them, it always exhorted them to be sober. That doesn't mean don't drink. That means sober means being in your right mind, right? Likewise, exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In what? Doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So what did we just read? We just read how everyone, whether he's an aged or young, whether he's a man or a woman, we just read how everyone should conduct themselves, right? But where did it start? Sorry, where did it start? Verse number one. Speak thou the things which become what? Sound Sound doctrine. You put the doctrine in and the way you live your life is how you sound it out. Praise God. We still there? All right, that was just a sort of like free from last week. All right, now let's go to our text. Porch pirates. Number one. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 31 and 32, whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. This is where I wanted to go. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. So, verse 32 starts with give none offense, all right? Because. The after uh, before that God between God and give there's a period there, so the sentence is give not offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the Church of God. Question: What is the subject of that sentence? You. It's a, it's an imperative sentence, right? You. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. The question is, who is that you? All right. So I'm glad you asked, Sister Maria. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to the next verse here. First Corinthians. Well, you know what? Let's pray first, shall we? Lord, thank you, Lord, for your words. And thank you, Lord, for um, your Bible that, that we have in um we pray, dear God, that by knowing what you want us to learn, that we would not be puffed up. Our motivation would be to grow and to be a blessing one to another and to people who don't know you, and most especially to bring glory to you. Uh, but Lord, I pray that you would just be with the instrument and set them aside that people would see what you want us to learn and not just the speaker, dear Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, don't give offense to the Jews, to the Gentiles, and the church of God. And the verse right before that was, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Whatever you do, does that include preaching the gospel? Does that include Bible study? Does that include reading the Bible? Yes. It says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So the Bible says there's different groups of people. And I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to go back to that verse. I'm going to say, over here, you can see Jews, Gentiles, the church of God. I'm, and you, you we're going to think, and I used to think this, that there's just three groups of people there. There's actually four. Because the subject is an invisible you. So the speaker is the Apostle Paul. He's talking to somebody. And he's saying to that somebody, You, whenever you read the Bible, or whatever you do, whatever you, whenever you preach, do not give offense to the Jews, to the Gentiles, to the church of God. Alright? Let me submit to you, if I may, whatever the mail is. If the mail or the package belongs to the Jews, don't steal that package. (laughs) If the package or the mail belongs to the Gentiles, don't steal that package. If it belongs to the church of God, don't steal that mail. In short, don't be a porch pirate. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) All right, so... Well, who are we then? Who are we in that group? Uh, and verse number, uh, well, the next verse over here, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And you want to be careful here, okay? We're trying to be literalist as much as we can. I know this is Porch Pirates part one. You saw part one in the title here. So if we don't finish it, don't worry. We're, we're going to be finishing it next week. Verse number 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For us, okay, here we go, time out. Oh man, my whistle isn't here, never mind. Whenever you see that word baptized or baptism, you always have to check the context. Amen? Actually, not just for the word baptized, for everything in the Bible. You always have to check the context. A lot of people will say, well, that's talking about water baptism. No, it's not. Watch. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into water. Is that what it says? No. Who is the doer of the baptism? The Spirit. Who is being baptized? We all. All right? So the Apostle Paul was Southern. We all, and who, and he is baptized. The Holy Spirit baptizing, baptizes. We all into what? Not into water. Into the body. So this is actually what you call spiritual bapt or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whereas once we get saved, we are put into that body. He says, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. What body is that? Just a few verses down, verse number 27. Now ye, when? Now. Ye are the body of Christ and members of particular. So we right now, our locality, our local church is FBC, right? Right? But this is talking about, Paul is talking about everyone that is saved, saying, once you get saved, the Holy Spirit takes you and puts you or baptizes you into the body of Christ. Right? He's still there. All right, next. Well, sorry, the tendency of some Christians, before we read that verse, the tendency of some Christians and preachers, sadly, is that they have some church members or a family member who is not doing right, say for example, and they want to encourage them into doing what's right, so they take a verse in the Bible and use it. That's great because you want them to do what's right. But if you are taking it out of context and putting someone under a verse that does not apply to them, then that is just being dishonest. Right? Now, the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword, right? And so we cannot afford to play around with it we cannot afford to be dishonest about it we're not supposed to anyway if we're regenerated and we're saved amen guess what happens when you play with swords <laughs> yes ma'am yes sir i would be joking around sometimes with uh would say, for example, Miss Katie, my wife would say, do you have your Bible? Can I borrow your Bible? I'm looking up a verse. I would say something like, careful, you might cut yourself. <laughs> just just joking around, right? But if you think about it, sure, that's what happens. Some preacher or some, some are, and I'm, I'm afraid I did this before, if I'm not careful, I can still do this, so I need to be careful. Some preacher would be would take one verse out of context just because he has a proof that he want, he has a, sorry he has a point that he wants to prove or he has something that he wants to, the church to apply, and that's just dishonest, right? And that is stealing someone else's package or someone else's mail. That's being a porch pirate. Colossians 1.21, if we're not careful, says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body, see there's that body again, of his flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away. So I'm not going to tell you the name of this individual, and I'm sorry that this is going to sound rather negative. There used to be a preacher that I know who was just doing something that's not supposed to be done by anyone, and meaning he was not being faithful to his wife, but still preaching and pract- and still pastoring that church. So some of the men came together, went to the preacher. Guess what the preacher says? The preacher says, well, the Bible says in 1 Samuel, if I'm not mistaken, touch not the Lord's anointed. So you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to do anything to me. Matter of fact, I can kick you all out. Being too negative for a Sunday morning here, sorry. <laughs> but do you see what's going on? He grabbed a verse in the Bible that did not apply to him. He's talking about the Lord's anointed because back in the Old Testament, when a king is, well, before somebody becomes a king, he is anointed by the prophet. Right. And remember, the men of David wanted to kill King Saul. But King Saul says, no, no, touch not the Lord's anointed. And so he applied that verse so he could protect himself. And by in essence, that's not just 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 flat out. That's just being dishonest. Amen. So that's what I mean by saying, don't be a porch pirate. Because if we're not careful, the verse that I'm trying, and I'm trying to read right now, uh, and you, you were sometime alienated and the en- enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable, unreprovable in his sight. So the context is being presented holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and what? Be not moved away. You know why some Christians move away? Because maybe the preacher stole somebody else's mail And tried to apply it to them. And they got cut by that sharp edge or two edged sword. And they got hurt and they got turned off. And they said, Preacher, we're leaving. Be careful. Let's not play with swords. Amen. So, with the remainder of our 12 minutes, Again, we're going to continue this next time. We're going to be talking about three things here. So we're not, we just talked about, well, we're going to talk about some basic rules in studying our Bible. Number one. Number two, we're going to talk about some fundamental differences between Israel and the church, which is the body of Christ. And number three, some commonly stolen verses. Time permitting. Of course, time permitting now for, verse, for number two. We're not going to be able to finish that. But let's talk about some basic rules of studying the Bible. You still there? All right? Let's not steal packages, okay? <laughs> number one, the most important thing to learn, I'm talking to save people now, okay? If you're not saved, the most important thing for you to learn is be saved. So I'm talking about saved people who are interested in learning the Bible and studying and reading the Bible. But the most important thing for you, number one, to do is make sure you have a perfect word-for-word Bible. Wait a second. Why is that important, Brother Francis? The Bible says in 2 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself thyself approved unto god a workman that needed not to be ashamed rightly dividing the what the word of truth if there is a word of truth may i submit to you that there also is word of lies so please be careful with what you have make sure you have the word of truth well brother francis We cannot have the word of truth right now. It's only the original Greek and the original original Hebrew that can be word for word perfect. Well, if that's true, then how can God say in Proverbs chapter number 30, verse number 5? Every word of God is... Pure. Brother Francis, it's only the Greek and the Hebrew that can be perfect. All we can have right now in the English is the one that's closest to perfect. If, say for example, I dislike Brother Mike with all passion. Just an example, Brother Mike. (laughs) And I said, Brother Mike, come over to my house because I want to give you something to eat. Let's have lunch. And so Brother Mike comes in, and I wanted to do some harm to him bodily, right? And then he comes in, and then I said, What can I do to let Brother Mike drink this poison without being so obvious? A, my option is just give him a glass with a logo of skull and crossbones on there and the word that says poison. Or B, give him lunch with just some drops of poison. See the point? Brother Mike's not going to fall for it if it says poison. But he's going to say, ooh, pork chop. And didn't know that there was some poison there. Same thing, the devil is in the business of what? Watered down, perverted doctrine. Doctrine. You, are not, you and I are not going to fall for it if the Bible in the front says the word of the devil. So what does the devil do? He takes some here, he takes some there, and then puts some in here and puts some in there. The Bible says, to, to people who says we cannot get close, we can only get to the closest in English, the Bible says every word of God is pure it is a, he is a shield unto them that is that puts his trust in him. Number 3. Or sorry, next verse, Psalm 12 verse 6 to 7. The word of, the words plural of the word of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified 7 times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt Preserve them from this generation forever. This is the text verse that, says, that proves that God has preserved his word. Let me tell you something. When people say, and, and I used to believe this as well, right? Oh, only the Greek and the Hebrew, only the original languages can be, can be perfect. Well, God said God will preserve his words Forever. Not just until the Greek and the Hebrew are done. If God cannot even preserve his book, what makes you think he can preserve your soul? Amen. The living word, the Lord Jesus Christ, is perfect. Amen. So it has to say, it has to be parallel, that the written word can also should also be what? Perfect. You still with me? Next, Luke chapter number four, verse four. And Jesus answered him and saying, uh, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So if God won't preserve that word, even to our language right now, oh, by the way, some people say, I have, I have thought a whole huge, uh, huge two-semester course on Bibliology in the inspiration of Scripture before. Some people say that translations cannot be inspired or given by inspiration. Have you heard that before? Let me ask you this question. When Jesus Christ said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani? And then it was translated, which is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Which one there is in inspired? Both of them. A translation can be inspired. Remember, when, remember when, uh, when the brothers of Joseph came to Egypt and they didn't know they were talking to, to Joseph? Guess what? Joseph was talking in Egyptian to his servants. He was talking in Egyptian saying, Hey, hide my flask. In Benjamin's sack. Remember that? He was talking in Egyptian. And then the Bible, which was written in Hebrew, translated it to Hebrew. Which one of those are inspired? Both of them. Every word. A translation can be inspired. Amen. Every word of God is pure. Amen. So if this is all we finished today, which is probably looks like that, unless you want to stay for two more hours. Yeah? <laughs> I just want to go through one more point and then we'll be done, shall we? So number one, basic rules of studying the Bible. Make sure you have a perfect word, of, word for word Bible. Number two, never add do or take away from the Bible. That's standard, right? Never add do or take away from the Bible. But here's what I want to say that's being broken a lot. Never add to or take away from the Bible both in paper and in your mind. Because some Christians don't add to or take away from the Bible in paper. But guess where they do it? Well, where does it say that? brother or sister oh it's in the bible there somewhere guess what you just did you just added to the bible in your mind maybe not in paper right the bible says in 1st corinthians chapter number 2 verse 17 for we are not as many which what Corrupt the word of God. So don't be surprised if we're only few that stand for the correct word of God or that stand for not corrupting the word of God because the Bible already knew that there are many which corrupt the word of God. But as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. By the way, if, you're a per- if the preacher is a porch pirate or if you or I are porch pirates, that's what is put in question. Our sincerity. Our sincerity. Number uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 1 to 3 says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we have received mercy. We faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor what? Handling the word of God deceitfully. You know, you, praise God for this. You know, you entrusted your lives to the guy who's preaching the word of God to you every Sunday. And I don't take that lightly. Brother Bill doesn't take that lightly every Wednesday night and whenever he preaches up here or in, in, yeah, or up there wherever you have your classes. <laughs> and you know what? A lot of people know that, that you entrust their li- your lives to them. So some people are crafty. And some people are dishonest. And some people handle the word of God deceitfully. Be careful. 1 uh, Corinthians chapter, or sorry, uh, Jeremiah 26 verse 2. Thus saith the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak unto all the cities of Judah. Now I know this is talking, this is talking about Judah, not to the body of Christ. So we're not about to steal their mail. But, we, but look at the practical application here. Which come to worship in the Lord's house, all the words that I command thee to speak unto them, diminish not a word. Last but not the least for this morning. number John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said, that, said unto him, If a man love me, he will what? Keep my words. Now, say, for example, you come in here and Brother Francis says, Come to church, the FBC, come to church because I'm going to preach to you how to love God because I love God. But before we preach, before I preach, I go to the back room over here and I look over here and I go, I don't like that. Or I go, I don't like this or I go, I don't like that. Guess what? Keeping my words in that verse may mean, can mean obeying his words, but it also can mean being faithful and making sure you are guarding that these words are not perverted. Don't be a porch pirate. Amen. So uh, so we're not, of course, going to be able to finish everything, but if, when you come, you know, when you leave the today, the most important thing to learn is A, make sure you have the word for word Bible. Number two, number B, I said A. So, number B, make sure you're not changing or adding to or taking away from God's word both in paper and in your mind. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father. I ask you for your your help, dear God. Uh, We didn't go very far, but I think it's very needful anyway to to, uh, lay some groundwork. The last thing I would like to do is be speedy and leave someone behind. So I ask you, dear God, that you would help us. We are not Perfect, we are not meaning um I can I can wax eloquent all that I can here, but if we're not depending on you, then we're just being puffed up because uh, knowledge puff it up. We don't want to say we're better than anyone, dear God. We just want to bring the glory all to you, Father. If there's anyone out there who's not sure who you know, where they're going when they die, they're not sure about their salvation, I pray, Father, that they would worry about that first before, before anything that we're talking about here right now. Lord, please help everyone. Have a wonderful week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right.